Hey, welcome back to the C3 Podcast. This is John McKinley, your host, and this week, Pastor Cindy McKinley is announcing her missionary ship in the U.S. Here's a short clip. I got a phone call. I was introduced through a phone call on May 7th to the U.S. missionary to widows. And never thinking anything of it, one of my widows says, you have got to meet this lady. And for two hours, we talked with me sharing what I do in our district. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like, go to c3pottstown.com and plan a visit to join us in person next Sunday. Well, this is new for me. (laughs) Not speaking, but my first time speaking as a missionary. Is that kind of wild and crazy? Just goes to show God does have a sense of humor in our older age, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, I want to read a scripture to you out of the book of James. James chapter 1 verse 27, it says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. For the past 10 years, I have been working in our district, the Pennsylvania, Delaware District of the Assemblies of God, and I am the director of the More Than Conquerors Ministry, which is a ministry that reaches out to the widows and widowers of our credential holders. Right now, we have 117 on our list, and 91 of those are women. I want to give you just a a little brief history back in the day when a pastor uh, passed away that all of his information at the district office was deleted because he was no longer living and they only kept record of credential holders and if the wife did not have credentials then all of her information was gone and over time people began to wonder what happened to sister so-and-so And two pastor's wives in our district, Jane Grove and Marlene Martin, God placed the burden on their heart for the pastor's wives that were missing. And out of that, in 1993, this ministry was birthed. And they began, took two years to find all these widows. And to hear their stories was heart-wrenching. And God... When this ministry first opened, I was actually the women's rep in our section, and my heart just leaped to this ministry. And my heart burdened for them when I was women's rep and I had our spring events, I'd schedule speakers to come for spring conferences, and I would always invite our pastor's wives, our widows, to come as our guests, and we would honor them and bless them with gifts and pray over them. Well, when Marlene decided it was time for her to step down, she gave my name to the district office. And I remember thinking, who am I, Cindy McKinley, amongst all the pastor's wives in Pennsylvania and Delaware that they would choose me? And I asked her, why me? She says, because God gave me your name, that's why. So after prayer, And seeking the Lord, I accepted that position. And here I am, 10 years down the road. You know, there's, I think it's grief share that makes the statement, if your spouse passes away, you shouldn't make any major decisions within the first year. Just not any decisions that are major. 
which is very good counsel. But however, when it comes to a pastor's wife, that doesn't always fit the mold because a lot of times major decisions are made for a widowed pastor's wife that she needs to go by. Decisions that she doesn't make, but are made for her. This morning, I wanna share with you some of the things that happens when a pastor passes away and his widow is left behind. She loses a great deal. She not only loses her husband, but she loses her pastor. She loses her friends and support system at the church. People that she has loved and poured into their lives, she no longer is able to do that because she's no longer gonna be at the church. Not all pastors own a home. And if they, if they do own their home, she may or may not be able to afford to stay in that home. If they live in a home that the church provides, which is called a parsonage, then she has to move within weeks so they can get the house ready for the new pastor coming in. A lot of times she doesn't know where she's gonna move or how she's gonna move. She doesn't have those answers. All the while, she's trying to deal with planning a funeral service, dealing with the grief of losing her husband. If there's children involved, school-age children, they too will lose all the things that the widow loses, but they will also lose their school system if they have to move out of the area, and they will lose their support from that. If the pastor is the only one making an income for the family because a lot of pastor's wives, right here included, <laughs> I work with my husband. I support him in ministry. It's been my whole life to be in ministry, to be in service for the Lord. But when a pastor passes away, if that's their only income, she no longer has an income coming into her home. With moving within a couple of weeks, it's very strenuous on her. It's a lot to take in. When it all comes down, it boils down to that a pastor's wife eventually loses her identity. She's no longer meeting together with other couples in the ministry. She no longer comes to sectional fellowships or district functions because her husband is gone. She is no longer known as the pastor's wife. In one breath, the last breath that her husband took, she lost everything that she knows to be so real and tangible for her. I just read this thing a little bit a year, over a year ago. It says, your life is changed forever when the one you make memories with now becomes your memory. And I'm gonna get through this without crying. <laughs> I wanna tell you about a very special woman, pastor's wife, widow, that God impacted my life with greatly. Her name was Joy. Joy and her husband actually pastored this church many years ago which I thought was kind of cool. And they always prayed for us. Every time we would see brother and sister Bussy, brother, we're praying for you and your wife. We're praying for your church. Every time. He says, we pray every day. Well, after Joy's husband passed away, I stayed in regular contact with her for a couple years or longer. And one day I made a phone call to talk with her to see how she was doing, to find that the phone had been disconnected. Not long after that, 
I got the card that I had just sent her came back in the mail with the address change to a PO box number. So for three years, I sent cards and letters and notes and gifts to this PO box number, but Joy never replied to me, not once. Didn't know what happened to her. I would check the obituaries to see if she passed away. And I thought, how in the world can you go from living in a house to a PO box number and nobody knows where you are? It was tough. Every effort that I made to find joy hit me at a dead end. And for three years, I had no idea where she was, how she was doing. Joy is just one of the thousands of widows that are forgotten. Let's face it, we have busy lives. And when someone passes away, we are there for the moment. We bring meals, we send cards, we pray for them. But then our life kicks back in and our routine, our schedule is hitting us in the face and we're moving in that direction again. And somehow we forget, we forget about the one that's left behind. We don't intend to forget them, it just happens. Think back a minute, someone that you know who's passed away, and when did you think about the spouse that was left? When did you call them last? When did you send them a card? Life goes on, but for the widow, the widower, it stops, and it stops for a long time. All throughout scripture, we can read about widows, and I love the scripture that says, God is married to the widow. He becomes their husband. He becomes the one watching out for them, but he uses people to do that as well. A few weeks ago, I preached on the widow at Zarephath. Remember, Elijah went to the widow during the famine, and he says to her, cook me some bread, and she's only have a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. He says, okay, cook me some bread, cook some for you and your son, and then it's gonna be okay. You remember the story? It turned out, it turned out great for this widow. All the jars that she filled with oil sold them, paid off her husband's debt. God watched over her. In the book of Ruth, we can read about three widows in that book, Naomi and Orpha and Ruth. Naomi found herself in a foreign land. She lost her husband and her two sons. She decides to go back home. And as she's getting ready to go back home, her daughter-in-law say, we'll go with you. They go for a distance and, and Naomi says, you, you can't do this. You, you need to go back to your father's home. You need to go back. And Ruth says, I will never leave you. I will stay with you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Where you stay, I will stay. Your God will be my God. And she refused to leave her mother-in-law. And what is so awesome, read the story in the book of Ruth. It's so awesome how God took care of those ladies and provided for them. And it turned out that Ruth ended up becoming the great-grandmother of King David, which down the generational lines came Jesus. Is that amazing? A foreigner in the land, God's land, and she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. In Luke chapter two, we can read of the prophet Anna. Anna was in the temple. The Bible says she was seven, married seven years before her husband passed away. And after he passed away, she lived for 84 more years. But she lived in the temple, praying day and night, fasting and seeking God. 
And she was there when Jesus was brought in as a baby. As they dedicated him, I thought it was kind of funny, the Lord came to be dedicated to the Lord. <laughs> but anyway, as they brought Jesus to the temple, and she was there, and she was so excited in her heart that she knew he was the Messiah. And Anna went and just told everyone who was looking for God to restore Israel. She went and she told them. In uh, Luke chapter 21, we can read about the widow with the two small coins. The widow's might. You might have heard that phrase. And Jesus was standing at the offering plate that morning in the temple. And he watched as people came in and threw their money into the offering plate. Some those who were very wealthy gave large amounts of money. But here was this little widow, and all she had was two small coins. And she took them, and the scripture says she threw them into the plate. And that was all she had. She gave God everything she had, but yet God still blessed her. She was noticed by Jesus. Jesus said she gave more than all the others put together. In Luke chapter 7, we can read... I love this story. The widow who had only had one son and he died. And as they're carrying his body out of the gate of the city to bury him, Jesus just happens by. And as he does, he goes over and raises that son from the dead. I often wonder what happened to those who were carrying the body. Did they drop him to the ground? Did they... That had to have been a shocker for them. Oh my. And Jesus presented... The son right back to his mama. Every time Jesus would show up, God would minister to the widows. He would meet their needs and take care of them. In John chapter 19, we can read of another widow. One that we probably don't give a lot of thought about. But it was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She too was a widow. Joseph had passed away. And Jesus, knowing that he being the eldest son in a Jewish family, the eldest son was to take care of his widowed mom. Can you imagine? Here is Jesus hanging on the cross. In his agony and his pain, his suffering, all that he had gone through and was going through. And he looks down from the cross and he sees his mama standing there. And he sees the pain and the anguish that she's suffering with right at that moment. And he knows it's his responsibility to make sure she's taken care of. And Jesus looks over and he sees John standing there. And he said, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And the Bible says from that moment on, she lived in John's house. And John took care of her as though she was his own mother. My life changed drastically I should say our lives changed drastically on May the 7th and we had just traveled down to Kentucky from uh, minister summit in Carlisle Pennsylvania and headed toward Carlisle Kentucky and I got a phone call I was introduced through a phone call on May 7th to the US missionary to widows and never thinking anything of it one of my widows says you have got to meet this lady so she set up this phone conference, and for two hours we talked with me sharing what I do in our district. I didn't give another thought to it. I just thought, well, that was pretty cool. And as I kind of was thinking about the, what was going on and go, went about doing everything else that I was doing with my mom, the next day, 
Marlene Kraft called me back, the missionary to widows. And when she called me, this time she called to tell me what she does in her ministry called Widow's Link. And in her ministry, she connects with women and widows through her Widow's Link website. She speaks at conferences. She holds widows retreats. She goes on widows cruises. She plans those. Her vision and her goal is that every widow from every walk of life is touched by the church of Jesus Christ, is made a difference. Something's making a difference in their life. At the end of her sharing all of this, Marlene then asked me if I would be willing to become her missionary associate. And she says, what I want you to do is take what you are doing in your district to a national level. I want you to go to the districts in our nation because not every district reaches out to their widows and their widowers of credential holders. Let me tell you, that blew me away. Never, ever, ever, ever did that, something like that ever enter my mind. And again, I said to God, why me? Who am I? Who am I, God, that you're asking me to do this? After a lot of prayer and processing with pastor, a lot of processing and a lot of prayer, and I know he probably got tired of hearing me, but trying to figure out, God, what are you doing? It was overwhelming for me. Exciting, but like, oh, I just never, ever dreamed this would ever happen. After we prayed together, pastor said, Cindy, God has opened this door for you, and I think you need to walk through it. I'll still be the pastor's wife, but it's a new door that God's opened for me. It last November, I went to Springfield, Missouri for a week where I start uh, introductory training for what I will be doing. I became a chaplain this past year, became a missionary with the Assemblies of God. You know what? We never know what God has in store for us as long as we're faithful in serving Him. He will open doors that we could never dream of or ever imagine that would ever happen to us. And it's, it's not just to me, it's to, it's to all of us. God has something, the next step of ministry, the next person he wants you to touch, the next person he wants you to make a difference in their life. He's not just calling me, he's calling all of us to a, a higher place that we can serve him. I wanna finish the story on joy. After three years had passed, I still hadn't heard from her, and I got a letter from a lawyer in Reading. And this letter was telling me that he was the caregiver of Joy. He took care of elderly people who had no family, and she was one of his clients. And he told me, Joy is living in a nursing home in Reading, 10 miles from my house. For three years, I tried to find this precious pastor's wife, widow, and she was 10 miles from our house. He gave me permission to go visit her. And when I went in to see Joy, pastor went with me the first time, and I thought, what do I say? Because he says, she has dementia. She might not know who you are. And she didn't. And I thought, Lord, how do I, how do I minister to that? How do I communicate, you know? And we stayed for just a little bit. We told her who we were, and we were from, 
from Pottstown, and thank you. You and your husband prayed for us all the time. And, and I read a little scripture out of her Bible, the things that she had highlighted. We prayed and we left. For the next couple of years or longer, I went every week, once or twice a week, to visit Joy. <laughs> and the stories, you can imagine the stories that someone who can just remember the past. Some of her stories were quite funny, you know, and we would laugh together and I would just kind of go along as if we were right there in that moment. And I would read portions from her Bible and together we would make a joyful noise to the Lord, meaning we'd try to sing. Joy had a special place in my heart. And one day I went to see Joy and she, her room was empty. And I found out that she had been moved to the second floor for hospice care. I went every day and I sat for hours by her bed. I did not want this pastor's wife to die alone. Because for three years, she sat in a nursing home with not one visitor. No one came to see her. She had no family. And I didn't want her to die alone. On January the 15th, 2015, an hour after I left Joy's bedside, she passed away and went into the presence of the Lord where she was never gonna be left alone again. I don't ever want to see another pastor's wife who is widowed to ever have to go through what Joy went through the last three years of her life. And to think that God has called me to take what I do to a national level that other districts can see the need for this ministry to reaching out to their widows and widowers of their credential holders that they won't be forgotten or end up like Joy. This week was a horrible week for me in preparing this message. I usually don't have trouble putting a message together and I just struggled. And I said to my husband, I don't know what's wrong, but I can't, I just can't do this. I can't get this. I don't know what's going on. And he even commented, he says, you have never been like this. What is your problem? I says, I don't know. I don't know. I told my sister Thursday, I said, I have my message. And I was meeting someone, I was early, so I timed myself, and well, that's 12 minutes, that's not gonna work. I called pastor, I says, it's only 12 minutes long. He says, what is going on with you? I says, I don't know. Saturday morning when I woke up, a new reality hit me. I'm a pastor's wife, and I'm gonna be standing before you and my sons my oldest grandson telling you what happens to a pastor's wife when her husband passes away. And the reality of that hit me so hard <laughs> because should God choose to take my husband, I know what happens. And three years ago, three and a half years ago now, when he was at the hospital, on a ventilator in critical care and I sat there at two o'clock in the morning and the reality hit me for the very first time oh my goodness he's one breath away from me being added to my own list 
I started crying, but not for myself because I just kept saying the whole time all this was going on, God, our steps are ordered of you. Our steps are ordered of you. Whatever, whatever the outcome, Lord, we're, I'm just going to trust you. We're, we'll get through this. But I started crying and praying for all of our widows and widowers whose loved one didn't make it. And all the things that they were going through. We can't see the big picture right now with all of this. And believe me, I have processed every angle I can think of with God. We don't know what the big picture is going to look like. But we know that God has ordained this. We know that he has opened the door. Whew, we know that our steps are ordered of him, like the scripture says. Do we wonder about it? Yes, we do. Do we try to figure it out? Sometimes, a lot of times. Do we trust the Lord's leading? Yes, we do. God has given us some amazing confirmations, some that have blown us away, that we know, that we know, that we know that this is his will right now. One night I went to bed and um, I, I was processing with the Lord. And when I do that, I talk kind of fast. And I was laying there and I said, God, what am I going to do? I, I, I need something to go on a table. All missionaries have a table, God. What am I going to put on a table? God, I need something to put on a table. All I can think of is books. I can't afford to buy books, God. How am I going to get books? Lord, oh, God, please, you got to do something. And I calmed down and I went to sleep. Thank God he doesn't sleep. That was on a Thursday night. Sunday afternoon, pastor opened the front door and there was a box sitting on our porch. And he says to me, what did you order from Amazon? I says, I don't order from Amazon. I didn't order anything from Amazon. He picks it up. He says, this is heavy. He brings it in and sits it down in the floor. And I said, he says, you had to order something. I said, I didn't order anything. I don't, if I want something, I snapshot it, send it to Jonathan, say, get this for me. <laughs> That's how I order from Amazon. <laughs> and he says, do you really need that, Mom? I says, are you your dad or what? Just get it for me. <laughs> so here's this box. I opened the box. I could not believe my eyes. The box was filled with books on grief. 43 books with 11 different topics on grief sent to me from Amazon that I did not order. I don't know how they got my name. I called a widow who had already purchased me. They were all by the same author, Gary Rowe. I called one of my widows who had purchased 20 books from him for me to give out at whoever. And I said, Celeste, did you order more books for me? She said, I said, two sets of 10. Did you get the two? I said, I got those. But you don't, you're not gonna believe what I'm looking at. And I pulled these books out of the box. I said, God. She says, I'll email, I says, email that guy because she's on one of his teams that reads his books before they're published and ask him, ask him if he sent them because she had mentioned the ministry that we do in our district. She calls me, she says, you're not going to believe this. He was laughing. He says, I love when God does stuff like this. He says, I sent an order for replacement for damaged books. There was 43 of them, by the way. And Amazon told me they lost my order. And they accidentally sent the books to somebody else.
came into the office that afternoon and I said to my husband, oh, by the way, I know who sent the books now. He said, who? I said, God did. He said, what? I said, God sent them. I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how many times something like that has happened. God confirming, 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 confirming that this is what he wants me to do. I don't know what this is going to look like when I start itinerating. I have no clue what it's going to look like. I want to leave you with this. A couple things. As of January the 22nd, 2021, I was reading a devotional and this was in the devotional. It says, as of January 22nd, 2021, there was 3.48 million men widowed in the United States and 11.27 million women in the United States. 3.48 men, 11.27 men. Deuteronomy 14.29 says this, Give to the fatherless and to the widows in your town so that they may eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. So this morning, I said to Marlene, our missionary, I am not good asking for money. And I don't know how I'm going to do that. But I wrote it out and here we go. So this morning, I am asking you to prayerfully consider praying for me as I start traveling because I have two meetings already scheduled for May and I won't be here and again I don't know what all that's going to look like but we know that we're doing what God has called us to do I'm asking you to pray for me and prayerfully consider supporting me as I strive to make sure that not one widow or widower of credential holders are ever forgotten and end up like joy. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially to spread the gospel further, please go to c3outlet.com give. Have a great week.